welcome to those of you who are here and uh, those that are watching us online. Um, we pray that you are blessed this evening. Amen. This um, this is gonna this this kind of feels like something I should have taught before Sunday night, and uh, and the pledges that were taken. Um, but I actually kind of feel I, I I kind of feel a little more comfortable teaching it this evening. You want your Um, I, I, it, the, if you weren't here Sunday night, we're trying to pull out a clip from Sunday night so we can share with those that weren't here. But we took pledges for um, for the foyer and the the finishes, not the finishing, the finishes, um, the, the the nuts and bolts and doors and all that's 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 taken care of, um, but furniture and furnishings, etc. And um, I, I re- said that felt like we needed and believed for uh, 200,000. And I will tell you that um, we, we reached that and more. Amen. And um, please hear me. This is not a negative, cynical statement. This is just 25 plus years of ministry involvement. There's there's a number of people that make pledges and they're probably sincere with their pledge, but you never see a dime of it. So even considering that, um, we should be well over um, that that mark. And uh, we were we actually had a meeting Wednesday um, with Brother Brant Nielsen and and the architect. And um, tweaking a few things, and as I said Sunday night, we should have uh, trusses here um, in about two weeks or less now, and a crane, and believing in Jesus' name. Once that happens, the the process is going to roll along. And for all of you construction cynics and skeptics, do not talk to me. I don't want to hear it. I've had enough experience. I know we uh, tore out our kitchen two weeks ago to remodel it, and we've spent two weeks just trying to fix all of the issues that we knew. Well, not that we knew, but we knew we'd uncover issues. Uh, so I, I understand. Um, so I, I don't want your negativity and all of that. Please leave me alone. But I, I am so excited. It's going to be such a blessing. And I think I said it Sunday night. I know I've said it before. It's not, it's so much more than just simply where we will come in and go out of services. It's going to enhance fellowship opportunities at services and even more. So, um, again, it, this really feels like, you know, something that should have been taught prior. But I, I, I think... I'm, I'm way more. I'm not really comfortable teaching this this evening, to be quite honest. But I'm more comfortable because uh, rather than it teaching this as a setup, it's hopefully a confirmation and a challenge to you. So, Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse number one. 
There's two words in my years of ministry that I have had major trouble pronouncing them correctly. One of them, which some of you know, it just so happens to be in a wedding ceremony. And so every time I do a wedding ceremony, that word is a challenge. And that's the word origin, which I used to say origin, and my wife would always cringe. And uh, the second word is in this verse, so I'm going to try to do it better, but I may mess it up. But here we go. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is... I'll just let you all say it. (laughs) It is superfluous, not not superfluous. It is superfluous. (laughs) She was out of town. She said she was going to be watching on her drive back, so I I don't... um, (laughs) It is that, yeah. It's not, it is, it is, it is I'm gonna, let, me, let me just put it in plain English. It is not necessary for me to write to you. <laughs> for I know the forwardness of your mind, which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked many. I'm going to, I'm going to, after you're seated, I'm going to read this again in the Amplified, but just to make sure... You know, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes the King James is, is a little bit um, muddy. <laughs> so basically what Paul is saying here, you were so anxious to give that, that a year ago you were already ready. You, you were already prepared. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf. That as I said, you may be ready. So what he's saying in the first two verses is, I don't need to write to you about the. I know, I know who you are. I know what you do. But, but just in case, I do want to make sure <laughs> that you're ready when the time comes. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, and really this is the focal point, I'm reading the rest of it for kind of context, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able... And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have, that you always, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food 
and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. I want to talk to you a little bit this evening and I think if what I feel is accurate, maybe next week as well, but, but about the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest. Father, thank you so much for another opportunity to be in your presence and to be in your presence with people of like precious faith. I trust and believe that your spirit has been with us this evening already, that you have touched hearts, you've responded to our prayers for the needs that are represented here tonight, and I thank you for that, Lord. I pray, God, now that you would speak to us. God, I pray again at the risk of it being a redundant prayer. I pray again tonight. I don't want to just simply speak words. I don't want to just teach a lesson, God. I want to be a messenger. I want to be a conduit that your word and your spirit can flow through. I pray that you would give us ears to hear tonight, hearts that are open to receive the seed of your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow abundantly, you will reap abundantly. The Amplified says those verses this way. Now about the offering that is to be made for the saints, God's people in Jerusalem. It is quite... Amplified is not supposed to have the same words as the King James. It is not necessary that I should write you, for I am well acquainted with your willingness, your readiness, and your eagerness to promote it. And I have proudly told about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia or Achaia or Achaia, Achai, that's hey, all you chai drinkers, it's in the Bible. There's a chai saying that most of Greece, that is, has been prepared since last year for this contribution, and consequently your enthusiasm has stimulated the majority of them. Still, I'm sending the brethren on to you, lest our pride in you should be made an empty boast in this particular case, and so that you may be, uh, that you may all, that you may be all ready as I told them you would be. Lest, if any Macedonian should come with me and find you unprepared for this generosity, we, to say nothing of yourselves, be humiliated for our being so confident. That is why I thought it necessary to urge these brethren to go to you before I do and make arrangements in advance for this bountiful promised gift of yours so that it may be ready not as an extortion wrung out of you, but as a generous and willing gift. Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful 
joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, he hath He, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And and God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. There are some areas that to me the enemy knowing the significance, knowing the truthfulness of the principles of those things in the word of God has focused in on undermining those things because he knows the impact of them in our lives. And so if he can get us to, to neglect or abandon them or to, to disregard them, not obey them, he knows there's some things that we are missing out on. And, and I, believe, I believe the area of finances is one of those things. And I will tell you, and I, I, I know I'm not alone on this, but I will tell you that, that this topic, and, and really uh, by the help of the Lord this evening, and, and especially I will, you, you won't walk away from this feeling like all I was talking about was money because giving is not just about finances. And I believe when the scripture gives us the principle that you can't outgive God, that it's not just talking about financially, that you, you, whatever you give financially, God's going to... I believe there's our time and our, our abilities, our, our talents. When we give those things to God, you can't outgive God. He's going to give back. But no doubt our finances is an area in which that is very... Uh, very, very relevant, and and uh, uh, because of abuse that has taken place and and has been known, and you know, there's a difference between uh, just an, an accusation versus something that is really proven to be true. There's there there most of us at some point have experienced in some level or other an accusation about us that wasn't true wasn't founded on facts, it was assumptions that were made. But I realize there have been unethical dealings, and, and, and then, of course, we've also, on the other end of the spectrum, I think the way the enemy has undermined this subject is the whole prosperity doctrine, and this idea that you can sort of, you know, buy God off to make you rich, and sow your seed offering, and sow your, you know, you sow your thousand dollar seed offering, you're going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in return. And, and that's, not really the, the, that's not really what Scripture's all about. In addition to the fact, I believe it's in the book of James, James says, I, Beloved, I wish that above all things you would prosper and be in good health. I want you to prosper and I want you to be in good health. 
But he qualifies that. Even as your soul prospers. I got to tell you, it's a dangerous thing when you're prospering and in good health and your soul is not prospering. You need to check the source of that prospering. (laughs) I don't want to prosper and my soul not prosper. I don't want to be financially blessed and my soul be dying. So he says, I I want you to be blessed, but but I I want you to prosper as your soul prospers. And 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 so then then there's this, you know, there's this attitude that, you know, some just think the church and preachers are just just all about your money. And and I'm not the only one, but I I shy away from this topic. Because I don't want to be lumped into that category. I don't want to be accused, etc., etc. But the bottom line is it's a principle of the Word of God and not teaching and preaching it, I'm cheating you out of very important, valid principles. So Paul says, and it's in the context of giving that he's saying this, that the way in which you sow is the way in which you reap. I know we got a couple of gardeners and farmers. I know, I know Brother Spriggs here has done some farming. You, you, wouldn't it be nice to just sow seed one year and then perpetually you just reap. You sow the seed one time, and then every year. It's not the way it works. I realize there are some trees, there's some fruit trees that they, they, they produce fruit every year, but I don't know of any vegetables that. There is, a, there is an ongoing need for sowing. And I think sometimes we approach the kingdom of God in a way that I'm going to sow a seed and that seed is just going to be perpetually producing. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow inconsistently, you reap inconsistently. But you sow abundantly, and according to the word of God, you reap abundantly. Now hear me, there's a couple things I just, I want, I want you to kind of lay as a foundation or get in your mind before, before I, I get into this. I'm not here tonight talking about the, telling you that God's going to make every one of us rich, that God's going to make every one of us just real estate tycoons. Car collectors with hundreds of, expensive cars in your that that's not that's not what I'm that's not what I'm talking about and 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 the bottom line is those who have their hearts and spirits in the right place they're not interested in that anyway and 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 so understand I I personally believe I've heard preachers say different than this and uh, I guess one of us is wrong because it's not a middle ground, I guess. But I've heard people say that, you know, with regards to sowing and reaping, that with God, it's whatever you sow, that's what you reap. So, and and I understand, naturally speaking, you don't sow tomato seeds and expect to get cucumbers. But but I, I really believe, I really, and I believe this from observation and experience in my life, that, that the reaping is not always identical to the sowing. Meaning, I'm not here tonight to tell you that, you know, if you sow financially, God's going to make you wealthy. 
with finances. I believe that I've seen some other areas in my life where I am reaping the blessings of my giving that are not financial. Because I don't know about you, but I'll take, I'll take, a, I'll take health in my body and health in my family over thousands and thousands of dollars sitting in my bank account. So uh, you know what? If some of my giving has caused God to bless me in that way, I'm okay with that. That's fine with me. So I I understand that naturally speaking, the, the law of sowing and reaping is you reap the thing you sow. I got to tell you, there's some, there's some blessings I've seen and experienced in my life that I can't pinpoint what I sowed to get that. Of course, some of those things I can't pinpoint it because I believe I'm living on some of the blessings of generations before me because that's the promise of the Word of God, that the blessings are going to be passed down from generation to generation. But, but I want to, I, I shared, and, and, and before I go on here, I, I'm just going to, I shared a couple of things briefly Sunday night before we took the pledges. And, and, uh, I, but I got home Sunday at night, my wife and I were talking a little bit, and, and, uh, and, and I really, I want you young people and you young adults, and I know a bunch of them aren't here tonight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out a request that, that they specifically listen and watch this, because I want this, I want this next generation to get this. And, and uh, based on some of Sunday night, what I, some of the pledges that we've got, I'm not sure how much some really understand it all, but there's some that are taking the steps for it. But I, we, we got home and I, I shared you know, a couple of things Sunday night that my wife and I have done, and I think I referenced the fact Sunday night. There was a time or two that before, even before I got married, I had a little money in savings and I emptied it out for some missions offering or something, but she reminded me Sunday evening when, when we got home, I think I knew this story, but I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily remember all the details, but she was 15 years old, and that summer she was 15, she was working at Wendy's in Crofton, and uh, putting in basically 40 hours a week as a 15-year-old, saving all of it up, and uh, putting it in the bank to, to buy a car, getting ready for the next year to buy a car. And um, that, was, that was the year that, um, you know, just in case some of you have heard the story, let me, let, me, let me set the record straight, at least the way I understand the record. It just so happened, how many of you ever heard of 88 Reasons? Yeah, Jesus was coming in 1988, September 12, 1988. That was going to be a really epic birthday for my brother. Jesus was coming on his birthday. Um, as I recall, and I was fairly young, but as I recall it, no one, Bishop, no one else here ever said that Jesus was coming on September the 12th, 1988. There was a bunch of people that read that book and did walk away from it saying it's a possibility. Of course, the bottom line is a possibility. Come. But it just it, this is interesting the way the enemy works. It just so happened that same year, Brother Johnny Garrison, missionary to... Nigeria, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was, was on deputation, came through here, got to preaching, got to preaching about giving, and people started giving. I don't mean just giving money. I mean giving. 
stuff. People were giving rings and watches and, and people were going and selling uh, boats and other stuff and giving the money and there was also this uh, there was this also this appeal for uh, for Bibles to for them and and um, we I had a I, I this little bit of regret forgive me for saying this but I my I my grandmother had given me a Bible for my I think my 16th birthday and I mean but I was so moved with that service and the challenge for I gave my Bible somebody in Nigeria needed my Bible and it just so happened that was the same year as 88 reasons so as the newspaper article told it with bishop's face on the front page of the paper that it was told here Jesus was coming and everybody sold everything so gee, that was kind of interesting the way the enemy was able to but it was during that year, that was my wife's 15th year, it was during that summer when all that was going on, and she took all the money that she was, had raised, or was saving to buy a car for her 16th year and gave, emptied out her bank account. She drives a pretty sweet car today, I gotta say. I mean, I like mine, but... There was another time we were we were um, she was she was uh, working at TCS at the time. She was the uh, I don't know Ken were you there at that point or was that before your time? She was the uh, receptionist, and um, she started working there, and we felt like we were rich because that like doubled our income because I was working here pretty much part time, going to college, not really making much. And we went out, I believe it was like our third third wedding anniversary. It's like our third or fourth wedding anniversary. And for our third or fourth wedding anniversary, we went out to dinner. And then we went walking around to some dealerships on West Street. And I think it was the Dodge um, Strata, I think. I forget. There was a couple, there was these models that were, this, this Dodge and Chrysler sedan that were kind of, but we were eyeing those up. And based on her job, we, we could afford it at that point in time, but uh, the problem <laughs> happened was I was the principal of the school, and we needed a kindergarten teacher, and she was going to college for elementary ed, and so she left TCS to come work at ACS. She went from ever how many thousands of dollars she was making a year to uh, <clears throat> making nothing. <laughs> it was all volunteer, as some here are aware of. Needless to say, that, that, that vehicle got put on hold. I, I'm here to tell you tonight, and again, hear me please, because I'm not promising you that God's going to give you a Lamborghini or Ferrari or that you know, you're going to get a house in the downs on the Severn on the water. And I promise you, but I am promising you the law of sowing and reaping works. And I realize there's some here tonight that I, I hope and pray that you're sitting here and you're like, oh my goodness, Pastor, do we have to sit through this tonight? I know this. But would you humor me, I guess, if nothing else, like I said, for a younger generation that I believe needs to get a hold of the idea of sowing and reaping and the blessings and the benefits that come. I, I could go on with some other stories, and I believe there's those of you here this evening that could tell your stories of things and ways in which you 
gave and made sacrifices and God. Now that doesn't mean I, I was. I thought I was going to come to this a little bit later. That doesn't mean you're going to live in abundance all the time. There, there's places that are known to be fertile ground for various crops that go through some years of drought and not producing. From a biblical perspective, one example was the story of, of, um, of Naomi and her family. They were in Bethlehem. You know what the, one of the meanings, at least, of the name Bethlehem is? House of bread. Bethlehem was the house of bread, but there was a famine that came to the house of bread. But it was the house of bread. If it's the house of bread, it's going to be the house of bread. But because of the famine, they left there and went to Moab. And guess what they got into in Moab? Trouble and difficulties and challenges and and came back to the house of bread. So even at the house of bread, you may go through some challenging and difficult times but if you will if you will continue to trust the principles of the word of god you you can rest assured the house of bread's going to be the house of bread praise god so so i i want you to and this is gonna i think this may here <laughs> this might for a moment seem like kind of a bit of a, just a right turn but but i think there's something in this area uh, of, of, of giving, and, and again, not just in the giving of finances, that I, I think we need to understand a principle um, that I believe is, is a biblical principle. And, and so I, I want to I take a few moments here on this. There, there is a difference between salvation and rewards. Hmm. Are we all right? We. <laughs> There is a, there's a difference between salvation and rewards. Paul says in Titus 2 and 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The Amplified says it this way, For the grace of God, His unmerited favor and blessings has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin, from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. And then the Amplified says it very plainly, for the free gift of of eternal salvation is now being offered to everyone. You cannot earn salvation. Cannot earn salvation. There are things that you do and should be doing because you are saved, but you're not doing them to earn salvation. They are the manifestation of your salvation. This, this is more than semantics, what I'm about to say, but we, we don't come to church to be saved. We come to church because we are saved, and that's a part of what we do. That's a part of what we believe that we need to be saved, meaning the, the fellowship and, and the things that take place. We, we need that, so we're not doing those things to be saved. We're doing them because we are now, we know that there's some things, you know, that you got to do to be born again, to be saved. But he, again, even that, it's not, that's not about earning salvation. You can't earn salvation. It's a free gift to everyone. Everyone is given salvation. If you'll just repent, 
be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then live a life that is continuing in that process, then you, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You're, you, you, don't, you can't earn more salvation. You, 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 can't, you can't build up your storage of salvation. But, but and I'm just going to, I'm just going to scratch this, the surface of this. There, there's, we could really probably spend the rest of the evening at the very least on this. But, but in Revelation, this is just one example. In Revelation 22 and 11, the scripture says, or verse 12, and he says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Meaning, there are things that God does and God will do that is based on, there's probably a better word than this, and this might make me twitch even using the word, but I can't think of a better one right now, that is based on your performance. Salvation is not based on your performance, but the rewards that God will give you in this life and in the life to come are based on your work. They are based on your efforts. Hallelujah. I am coming, my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. You can read it later if you want to read it. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18. Jesus says a whole bunch about a reward. So, I, I think it's important, and I'm, I'm going to, the Lord willing, if what I feel happens, I'm going to come back to next week and, and, and touch on them some. But, but you know, in, in, in Malachi, he talks about, you've robbed me, and, and he talks about opposing us because, well, we're, we're under grace. Yeah, we are under grace. But there are things that God will do or not do in response. I, I, I noticed this in my notes in my phone today. I don't remember what caused me to write this down. And I don't remember the context of what I thought I might use it for. Maybe it was written there for this evening. God is not a respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. But I will tell you, God is a respecter of hunger. He doesn't treat us differently based on our, our personage. <laughs> but He does respond differently based on our level of hunger. Well, I, I don't know about that, Brother Wright. Well, let me just let me give you one single example, and there's, there's others, but this is one that pops into mind. If, if that was the case, why was it in the crowd that day, it was only the woman with the issue of blood who said, if I can touch, that, that, that was hunger. <laughs> If I can just get to the hem of his garment and touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. You tell me she was the only person there that day with a need? She was the only one there that day that had an issue, some kind of an issue in her life? No, but she was the only one that Jesus stops and says, Wait a minute, who touched me? What do you mean, who touched you? All of these people are touching you, Lord. No, somebody just touched me because when they touched me, virtue went out. That's why you can come and sit through the greatest of apostolic services you've ever been in and leave with absolutely nothing. Because just, just because you, you are where Jesus is doesn't mean you and he are making a connection. 
I'm trying to teach, but I feel like preaching a little bit. You've got to make a connection. You've got to have a hunger. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. There was a hunger that rose up inside of him. And so he's not a respecter of persons, but he does respond differently based on our level of hunger. Notice, notice, first of all, look at this word. Here's what that word reward means. Not only in the Revelation, but also in Matthew, it's the same Greek word. It means dues paid for work. Wages, higher. It is a reward in both senses, rewards and punishments. Of the rewards which God bestows or will bestow upon good deeds and endeavors. Use the punishments as well. It is, it is dues paid for work. Now I know Bishop just said it. If you've been around here very long, you've heard him say it. He just said it last week at Apostolic Conference. It, it, it's not biblical terminology to say we work for God, live for God. And I understand completely the point he's making, and I, and I, and I agree with the point he's making. So if you'll excuse me for a moment and not go report me to bishop, let me just say it this way in the context of this. If you work for God, you're involved in God's work, in God's kingdom. He pays. He pays and He pays well. Again, as I've already said, I'm not saying He pays all the time in thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, but He pays well. This... this this um this was the I started I meant to send this in our family chat have uh, you know have a have a you know sentimental moment and I I keep forgetting to but th- this was the verse of the day on uh, Sunday and it was in the this is the Passion translations Proverbs twenty three and verse twenty four says when a father observes his child living in godliness he is ecstatic with joy nothing makes him prouder. I sit around the table with all of my kids, the two newest additions, and I just sit there sometimes looking around the table with them. I'll take that over thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in my bank account any day. God pays. God rewards. I, I You know, I, I know some people, and I'm... I'm trying, please hopefully hear where I'm coming from. I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to, I, I don't want to share tonight, I don't want to teach tonight with any element of sort of defensiveness or whatever else. And I'm trying my best to suppress all of that. There's a lot going on up here that's not coming out here, thankfully. You know, I, I, not only have I been in this church all my life, I lived for 20 years with the the founding pastors. <laughs> and you know what? Unfortunately, a lot of people nowadays don't, they weren't here 50 plus years ago when two people drove into this city not knowing anybody with $300 to their name. They see now where they are, what they have, and, and, and there's others of you that can say some of the same things. People judge you by where you are now. You, you should have seen me when I was first sowing. 
You should have seen me when I was first putting stuff in the ground. It was a lot different than the way it is now. But, 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 but again, the, the, there, there are rewards that you and I receive in this life and are ultimately going to receive an eternal life. You are going to be rewarded in eternity based on your labor and work in this life. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, listen, to, what, listen to what Paul says. This is such a, a, an interesting passage to me because... I, I want you to notice, and especially I think it's the last verse I'm going to read in this passage, but verse, 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now now watch this. If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he, ha- which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive... A reward. So notice in verse 12, there are, there are six things that, that Paul references as the, the things you can build with. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Three of those things are cheap and inexpensive. Three of those things are extremely valuable. Three of those things cannot withstand fire. Three of those things are not damaged by fire. They are actually enhanced by fire. So Paul says, you need to be careful what you're building on the foundation. Let's just, let's just say in this context and in this context this evening, the foundation is your salvation. That's the starting point. That's, that's where we begin, being born again. So what are you now going to build on that foundation? Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that want to build something cheap on that foundation. I want to get by with what costs me as little as possible. Now, if you're doing a renovation on your home and you want to go that route, God bless you, it might work out okay. We did an addition a couple of years ago and we tried that with everything we could. What's the budget? Cheap. What are we looking at for flooring? What's a cheap? (laughs) When it comes to what you are building on the foundation of your salvation, you need to be careful what you're building with. Because if you just want to throw something together with minimal consecration and dedication, uh, uh, just a haphazard prayer life, and, and, and just, you know, given a little bit here and there, you're building with wood, hay, and stubble. It may be cheap and quick, but the fire is coming. Yeah. 
It's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more costly to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. But you don't have to worry about the fire coming. You don't have to fear the fire. Because again, all the fire is going to do is bring out more purity. Not going to destroy. And Paul says, every man's work is going to be tried. The fire shall try every man's work. And that's not gender specific there. That's being mankind. Every man's work is going to be tried by fire. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he's going to get a reward. Now, now watch this next verse. This just, I've read this next verse many times through the years, but several months ago now, maybe even a little bit longer than that, and in reading these verses again, I came across this next verse, and, and it really is, it, it's, it's an interesting verse. <laughs> If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. So if you build with wood, hay, and stubble, if you're trying to build as cheap as you can, your relationship with God, your ministry, your walk with God, you're trying to get by on as little as possible. You can build with that. It's not going to survive the fire. But, he, but notice what he says. If your work shall be burned, if it's wood, hay, or stubble, you're going to suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And, and so to me, that verse kind of encapsulates this idea of the difference between salvation and reward. Your salvation very well may be secure. But the way in which God is going to reward you for what you built is going to vary by what you built with. And your reward is going to be based on what lasts. I probably shouldn't try to tell this because I can't remember exactly how it went. And the bottom line is it's one of those, you know, years ago before email forward started becoming a thing, I believe most stories I heard. Now I believe hardly any stories I hear. <laughs> of course, this one, as I start to tell it, you'll understand why it's definitely not real. But the story is told of, of, of this man, this very wealthy man that was a part of a church. And, you know, he came once a week and gave his tithes and his offerings. But that was it. There was nothing else. And so he... He got, and of course we all know that every joke, every story, every dream about heaven, you are greeted by St. Peter. So, I'm sure that's 100% biblical, right? But the story was, he, he, he died and he gets to the pearly gates and there's St. Peter and, and, and Peter greets him and they begin to walk down the streets of heaven and they begin to see all these, these mansions. Of course, there's, you know, there is some degree of debate if, I mean, I'm I, I, not quite sure if the mansions that were talking about in heaven are like, you know, mansions or not. Bottom line is, that's another thing, once we get there, we're not really going to care. You won't care. As long as you get there, you'll be happy with a 14 by 70 trailer, if that's all you got, just as long as I'm there. <laughs> but the, but it, 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 he's walking down, and, and he's seeing these beautiful 
large mansions and thinking one after that, well, that's, that one must be mine, that one must be, only to pass by all of them and finally be taken to this little old shack. He was quite puzzled by the fact that all of those great mansions were not his and really it all boiled down kind of the punchline of the widow woman who gave one might but was giving everything versus all the rich men that were giving something but it cost them nothing. I, I said it Sunday night and I, I mean it. it, it there, there's, there's people that, that wrote down some very large monetary values for a pledge for the for the new foyer. If you were to if you were to simply look at those pledges based on the monetary value, you you know, wow, that's except there's some of them that the price was or the, the value, the dollar amount was much smaller than a lot of other ones, but I have an idea, I have a little knowledge about that person, about their circumstances and the value in zeros may not have been the same as others, but it's costing them as much as it's costing others. That, that's building with gold and silver and precious stones. When you, when you in those times that you've got oblig, ministry obligations and commitments and you're just... You're tired, you're worn out, you've had a rough day at work, but you, you press through and, and you, you do what you're supposed to do. That you're, you're building. We're not talking about salvation because he says that they're going to be saved. You're going to be saved. The fire is going to try what you built. And whether or not what you built survives or is destroyed, you're, you're going to be saved, but it's... It's determining your reward. And, 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 and I believe in this, in this idea of what we sow and we, we reap. There, there, there's, this, there's this part of it that's about re- rewards. And again, it's not, a, it's not necessarily that I am earning or deserving it, but God responds. I'm not, I've got several things. I'm going to post these tomorrow in Realm for those that might want them. I've, I've included some commentary strictly for the purpose of, if you want to read some of it later, I'm not, I'm not going to read all of it. But, but, but one of the things that Paul says is, going back to the verses we started with, let every man as he purposeth in his heart. You and you alone are the one to determine what level of giving are you going to have. And please apply that beyond finances right now. As you purpose, you see, and there is, and this is a part of what I feel to touch on next week if it continues the way it is, but, but you know, I believe that tithing is scriptural. And God basically, by a percentage, sets that amount. And, 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 and I'll come back to this next week, but tithing and giving of offerings are not one and the same. They don't, they're, they're not synonymous. One, in essence, is obligatory. The other is, as I purpose. 
as I choose. So Paul said, let, let every man as he purposeth in his own heart set that, le- what level of sowing am I going to have? To what, to what degree am I going to sow? And, and then it says, don't do it grudgingly. <laughs> you ever had somebody do something for you and you recognized they're doing it? They're not happy about doing it. And depending on what it is, it may or may not matter. I mean, I think most of the time when my sons take the trash out, they're probably pretty much doing it grudgingly. Oh, well, just take it out so I don't have to. You know, if somebody's bringing you a gift, presenting you with a gift, and you feel like they're doing it grudgingly, you might like the gift, you might want the gift, but it takes away some of the value. So, so, so Paul's saying, set the degree, the level of which you're going to give, but, but then when you do that, don't do it grudgingly. Don't, don't do it with a, with a bad attitude and a, and a bad spirit. There is a, there is a principle of, of, of freely giving. Proverbs 11.24 says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul, the, the one who is not giving grudgingly, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Verse 24 is so amazing to me because I think that's such a great representation of those that are trying their hardest to, to pursue their dreams and accumulate things and, and gather for themselves. And it's like every time there's any bit of success, something happens. Gets blown to the wind. You know what? I'm speaking to the Thursday night folks, okay? I know I'm st- we're streaming, but I'm... My, 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 uh, my, my target is the committed, sold-out people, okay? <laughs> I wouldn't say this on a Sunday morning, not because I don't believe it, but different, different group of people, different, different kind of ministry. And now that I said all that, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, now I do, yes. You know what? God, for those that are not willing to be faithful to their finances, it's kind of funny. God has a way of... Getting the money. I'm not necessarily going to say getting your money, but I'm going to say getting the money. Boy, you got something you're all saving and storing up for it, and you got your heart set on it, but you're not being faithful with your finances to God, and all of a sudden some washing machine goes out, car dies. And I'm not saying if your washing machine went out or your car died today that this is you. But my point is, God, you know, the flip side is, not talking your salvation here, the flip side is God has a way of taking care of things. When you're put, in fact, I I wonder maybe how many things may have broken that didn't break, we don't know about, but because we were, we were, we weren't trying to accumulate and gather, God is blessing in ways that we are unaware of His blessings. So he says, they, 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 there are those that, 
that they're trying to increase, but it's all scattered. It's kind of like what he said, I think it's in the prophet Haggai, that you, 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 you work to bring it all in and you put it in your pockets and your pockets had holes in them. And then he also says, I blew on it. What do you do when it's not the devil messing with your stuff? What do you do when it's not the devil messing with your finances? It's God. You can bind and rebuke the devil and he's got to listen. You can't bind and rebuke God. I don't like that. That's not fair. Really? Then you must not be a parent. And then if you are a parent, you are either a bad parent or a hypocritical parent. There is absolutely nothing in this world that I know of, especially when they were younger. Two of them are obviously gone now, but when they were younger, there was nothing in this world that I knew of that would cause me to make my kids sleep outside at night. There was nothing they would do to prevent me from providing them food as long as I had the resources. Let me tell you something. You're, if you're a parent and you punish your kids by not them not eating regular meals you 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 are you're not you're not getting that out of the bible so you know what food clothing maybe not always the brand or the price of the clothing but food clothing a roof over your head i'm going to provide i don't really i'm going to provide that for one basic reason you're my kid But I'm, I, I may not be taking you to Toys R Us and treating you. All the young kids don't even know. What, how, who would have thought kids would not know what Toys R Us is? How, what has the world come to? Lord, help us. How do you not have a store that's nothing but toys anymore? I mean, I, there, there were plenty of times. To, hey, let's, let's, we're, we're, you're going to get a treat. Treat's not going to be your dinner. Maybe a more expensive dinner, but... I'm going to give you... He's our Heavenly Father. He's going to give us our needs. He's going to provide our needs. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I am providing so much ammunition to be shot to death here this evening, but... I got to finish. I'm in it. I got to finish. If you want beyond just your needs... You gotta sow. You gotta build. You gotta do something that's going to last. You gotta do something that's going to survive. And can I tell you, as much as I keep saying this isn't just about finances and I keep talking about finances, there are seasons we go through in which it's in your best interest more than other seasons to make sure you're sowing them, sowing. And we are in a day right now with an economy that you need to be trusting in God. And if I sow, I can trust. It doesn't matter what the interest rates are, what the stock market it is what the prices of gas are God has the way of providing that when I sow I'm going to reap living Bible it is possible to give away and become richer wow what a what a awesome state it is powerful to give away and yet to become richer It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. 
Yes, the liberal man shall be rich by watering others. He waters himself. We, we went on, we went on, went, went on a helicopter tour on our trip to Kauai. And uh, it's, it, in addition to the pilot, there was space for six passengers. And so it was the four of us. And then there was two uh, other passengers. And we were sitting in the lobby of the, the helicopter place before they shuttled us to where the helicopter was. And, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the man, it was an, an older couple, probably uh, probably close to my parents' age, I, I would guess, maybe a little bit younger, but they were retired. And, and so he makes this comment about us from uh, being from Maryland, and I'm quickly replaying in my mind. I don't remember anything being said to the person working or whatever about where we were from. And then uh, several hours after the fact, it dawned on me the reason that he knew we were from Maryland is because he saw, but they were from Brooklyn Park. Pretty much spent their lives in Brooklyn Park. They've been retired for years, probably 20 plus years. They have taken, I think they've taken two and next year are about to take their third world cruise, 120 something, 40 something day cruise. And in essence, they, they basically said, I mean, not only did they imply, but they basically said, we made our, we earned our money, we're taking it. Like, as in, we're not sharing it with our kids. What was also interesting is they said some things that implied that there's really not necessarily a whole lot of relationship and connection with their kids. I don't think it's because they don't give their kids all their money. It's just because they're priorities. So you can, you, can, you can hold it all tightly to yourself and yet lose. I, I, don't, I, I probably shouldn't tell this. She doesn't. I'm pretty sure. I'm 99% sure she doesn't watch online and I don't think she watches the archives because I don't think she has the technology to so if she hears about this it's because one of you are gossiping and I pray that your tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth and you can't talk anymore not really but I, I Monday morning we were, we, Brother Mike Rumcheck was helping me. We had taken a load of more junk from the kitchen demo to the, to the landfill. We were on our way back, and um, my phone rings, and it was my grandmother. And uh, I don't mean this to sound fearful or whatever, but the season of life she's in, it's like every time her number pops up on my phone, it's just my initial thought is, oh, my goodness, is something wrong? And so I, I answer the phone, and, and uh, of course, you got to, some of you know her. If you don't know my grandmother, she is direct to the point, we're done, let's move on, that's it. But uh, I, I, I answer the phone, and she says, she says, David, I had an inspiration. She said, all my inspirations aren't always right, but some of them are. I said, well, what, what was that? She said, I, I don't have anything to give for that foyer. I, I don't have any money to give, she said. But I had a thought. She said, I can pray that God will send somebody to buy that steel that's out there. 
and that can be used to help. You got it. That's fine with me. I'm not, first of all, I love her too much, even if she had it, to be wanting her to hurry up and die. I'm not anticipating my grandmother's death. death. I I I got my cousin here, my only cousin on her side. Of, the, of my family. We're, we're not, Jason and I are not going to be fighting over my grandmother's stocks and we might end up fighting over some of her painted pillows if you were on Facebook today. One time I, I, we went to Bermuda. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. You only got to go home and go to bed. That's it. I was like 16 or 17. We went on vacation to Bermuda. I bought her these expensive nice they weren't really placed I guess they were more so hot mats they were they were hard and they had like these paintings you know of scenes in Bermuda and they kind of had this gold border of the picture and then the edge was just you know this is I mean this is a long time ago I go to her house one day and she's done painted a nice border around those so She's a painting lady. I guess that's where I got painting my table from. It's just in my, it's in my jeans. We, we may, I don't know, we, Jason and I may end up fighting over some of her, you know, trinkets in her house. Well, we're, we're not. Boy, they're the inheritance and the legacy. I'll take that any day over Bill Gates's money in the bank so that that's why again it, you know if, if if you got your priorities right this this is not hmm well i'm listening tonight because this might be my get rich scheme that that that's not the motive it's 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 i want to i want to be building something that's going to last and the only thing that's going to last is the things that are connected to the kingdom of god heaven and earth is going to pass away all this stuff is temporal but there's going to be some things that last forever Message Bible says it this way, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Proverbs 19 and 17, he that pitieth, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. And God doesn't just pay back equal what you gave. Bible says that, that, the, that the, the rain that falls is accordance to the vapor that goes up. And I believe one of the spiritual applications of that is that when we praise and worship, that's, that's us sending up vapor. And when we send up vapor, rain is going to come back down. But God doesn't send rain back down in accordance with the vapor or equal to the vapor because you can't outgive God. He says, not only let every man as he purposeth, not to give grudgingly. But then he says, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Look at the word cheerful. The Amplified actually said this definition, but I just want to point it out again. That first word's about like that other word. Propitious, favorable, or merry, hilarious. And then, and then look at this, prompt or willing. So cheerful is not just in happy. 
Wouldn't it be kind of cool if, you know, come offering time every service, everybody would just... <sighs> Obviously, that, that's Mary, hilarious. Actually, I took it out because uh, I don't know how to pronounce them anyways, but the Greek word there is actually H-I-L-A-R-O-S. That's the, that's the Greek word, and so it's hilarious. God loves a joyful, happy giver. But, but there's, there's more to that cheerful than just smile on your face. It's about he loves a prompt, willing. He likes somebody that's responsive. You don't have to have your arm twisted. You, you don't have to. Uh, I, I'll never forget. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quit. I'll never forget, though, years ago, the, the United Pentecostal Church General Conference was in Richmond, Virginia. This was a long time ago. Early mid nineties, actually, my, I think Nathaniel was about three or four years old, so that's how long ago. Um, and I remember back then encouraging everyone: "This is a great opportunity. This is the closest as it's ever been, and will ever." That's not true. It was in Philadelphia a long time ago, but that's just, it's as close as it had gotten and would get forever. It's never been that close again. I re- and, and and some folks made the trip down to Richmond, two-hour drive, and, and a couple of the services, they came home and they were almost like mad at me for because they sat through some services, one of them being a foreign mission service, where for like almost an hour plus trying to get people to give. give, give. The Lord likes a He likes a prompt, a willing Man, I, I, I think that's, I know it was pledges at this point. It wasn't necessarily the actual funds, but, but that's kind of what we saw here Sunday night. There were some cheerful givers in the sense of prompt, willing. You see, I, I think there's, there's two, I think there's kind of two parts of giving in this context. Part of my giving is an expression of my gratitude and thankfulness for what he's already done. Then the funny thing is, while that may be part of my motive, while I'm giving as a part of my expression of gratitude and thankfulness, I'm actually sowing again. Which means as I sow again, he's going to be blessing again, which is going to give me more things that I'm going to want to show my appreciation for to then sow again. Last couple of verses in this context of cheerful and willing. Exodus 25, verse number 1. And the Lord spake to Moses. This is the the collecting of the things to be able to build the tabernacle. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, Speak unto the children of Israel that, that they bring me an offering. Every man that giveth it willingly, which his heart you shall take my offering willingly, promptly. They're, 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 again, not having to be coerced, coerced not having to be manipulated, not having to be pressured. Exodus 35, again, still connected to all of this in the building of the tabernacle. Moses speaks to the people, the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold, silver, and brass. Let, let him that is of a willing, don't, 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 don't sow sparingly and don't sow grudgingly. Do it cheerfully, do it willfully. Willingly. 
First Chronicles 29 and 17, this is David speaking here, and this is the, the preparation of Solomon. David's life is winding down, and Solomon is going to be uh, moving into the role of king, but also picking up the, 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 the torch from David to build the tabernacle. And David says this, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. You read, I believe it's actually in the uh, beginning part of First Chronicles 29, it tells some of the things that David accumulated to provide for the building of the tabernacle, or the temple, excuse me. And notice what he says, I, I did all of that willingly. I wasn't doing it because I felt pressured. I, I, let, let, let's, let's, let's take this in another area that I think it implies. I, I was glad when they said unto me. Let us go to the house of the Lord. We shouldn't gather together, whether it's for a church service or a, an oikos meeting or a prayer meeting or, 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 or whatever other various ways we gather together. We shouldn't do that grudgingly. Willingly, willfully. In Romans 12, verse 6, Paul says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. And I know this last part is not necessarily talking about giving, but, but the principle of it. He says, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Don't, don't show mercy, don't show kindness out of just duty and obligation. Do it willingly, because God loves a willing, a cheerful giver. There, there are, I, I close with this, with regards to sowing and reaping, as you all well know, and some of you know it firsthand from your experiences of what you've sown and what you've reaped, but at least all the adults have the basic understanding of it. Depending on what you sow depends on the length of time before you see the result. There are some things you sow that within a matter of days you start to see something. It may not be the full uh, uh, fruition of it, but you, you do begin to see something. But there's other things that you sow, and, and it is a very significant amount of time before there is any indicator of life. Tell, to tell some, of you, some of them aren't here tonight, so hopefully they'll hear this later, but some of you that... that, that made pledges Sunday night and you're going to give those pledges, you're going to, you're going to do what you committed. I'm, let me tell you something, you're putting good seed in the ground. And if you don't get that seed sprouting up next week, it's okay. Oh, the enemy's going to come along and tell you, boy, you wasted. You, you should have never sown that. But there's some things you sow and you get them immediately. There's other things you sow, and naturally speaking, it could be weeks and months before you really see anything. Well, can I tell you tonight, spiritually, sometimes it's longer than that. Sometimes it may be decades, but if you sowed, the law is you're going to reap. 
you're going to reap. You may not reap as quickly as you want. But if you've done your part, God is obligated to do His part. Father, I pray that You would help us tonight. Lord, in our, in our humanity, in our, in our fleshly frame, it is so easy to live, to make decisions by what we see, by what we analyze. We look at the circumstances around us, whether it's our own personal circumstances or we look at a broader perspective of the condition of our, our, our nation and economic times that we're in and we let that determine our level of sowing into your kingdom and giving. But I pray tonight, God, that you would renew in every one of us. I pray whatever phase we may be in, those, Lord, tonight that maybe they're, they've spent years and years, decades and decades of sowing, that you would renew their faith and confidence that those things they've sown, that maybe they haven't seen the results yet, you are faithful. The promise is what is sown is going to be reaped. But God, I pray also tonight for those that have yet to experience for themselves what it's like to sow and then to reap. Lord, it's one thing for us to live off of the stories of what somebody else tells us about what you've done for them. It's a whole different thing, God, when we've got our own testimonies, we've got our own examples of how we have sown and we have reaped. So I pray that you would Bless every individual in this place tonight that is yet to really truly experience that with the faith to put it to the test. To see what happens that when we purpose in our hearts that we're going to give willingly. Again, Lord, not just of our finances, but of ourselves, of our, our talents, our time, our abilities. Whatever ways in which we sow, we are going to reap. There is a due season, Lord. There's a due season in which we're going to reap, but we will reap according to the principles of you, the principles you have established. So let faith be strengthened, renewed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.